In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNenny. Hello. Happy are they who fear the Lord and who follow in his ways. Psalm 128.1. We're told that we shall eat the fruit of our labor and have happiness and prosperity. When we fear the Lord and follow in his ways, I know I've sometimes doubted that promised human that I am, until I remind myself that God is talking about a long-term commitment here, that if we persevere in following the Lord and getting to know him up close and personally, we shall eat the fruit of our labor on earth and, of course, in heaven with our loving Father. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler, and I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. Time for a cup of tea and a friendly chat on this pretty cloudy English afternoon in London. Well, once... Malia and I had grown accustomed to the surroundings of my mother's flat and the environs, so we decided to venture further afield. So we walked the high street, which seems to be a requirement, crossed over to the station, that's a train station, in case you're wondering, and caught a train to Victoria so that we could gad about in town. Actually, we went to the Imperial War Museum, not exactly a gad, but in town primarily to see the Holocaust exhibit, to set us up for our visit to Germany. Travelling by train and underground, we have found, is so easy. Malia commented when the train came in bound for Victoria, my goodness, it's dead on time, and it took the promised 20 minutes exactly. Each stop on the tube takes about two minutes, so travelling time is easily calculated. On this trip, I encountered two sets of spiral staircases, which I have never met before in all my years of using the tube in my hometown. We had to change and venture deeper underground to another train line. We descended via a lift and ascended at the other end via a spiral staircase consisting of 84 steps. A notice informed us of this in case 83 was our limit. On the way back, we descended a spiral staircase consisting of 97 steps. It was another tube station in case you're wondering where the additional 13 steps came from. This time we had to stay on the left because, you know, in England, they drive on the left. While people from below were ascending, the left meant the narrow part of the stairs, an adventure in itself on a spiral. We reached the Imperial War Museum, a magnificent building set in formal gardens with a tea room, well, actually a tea tent, and there were lots of people milling around the steps leading up to the museum. We proceeded only to be told that we had to stand back because they were evacuating the building due to a bomb scare. The place was running with police and we were um, advised to get behind the two massive cannon that graced the front lawn. I thought it was ironic that we had come to the war museum and were being evacuated because of possible terroristic warfare. 
after about 10 minutes of patiently waiting, and Englishmen generally wait patiently, we were allowed to access. Better safe than sorry, the officials commented as they let us in and apologized for the inconvenience. The museum itself is free. There was a pay-for exhibit about trenches and treacheries. Perhaps they were paying for the recorded guided tour. I don't know. Anyway, we didn't do that one. We looked at the planes and the submarines, the rockets, guns and tanks on the ground floor and suspended from the ceiling, took photos and made our way up to the third floor and the Holocaust exhibit. There, without realising it, we spent an hour and a half reading, watching and listening to survivors and victims, perpetrators and allies tell the story of the persecution of the Jews spanning centuries and culminating in the worst act of horror and human extermination in history. A commitment that stay a comment, sorry, that stayed with me, um, was made by a woman who was a survivor of one of the camps. She said that mankind had not learned from history. There were still fanatics. As humans, we were still intolerant. We still criticize and judge. And there is still religious persecution. And I thought, how absolutely true and how profoundly sad. Malia and I left stunned and drained. We were going to hit another historical place of interest, but decided to lighten up. And we took ourselves to Piccadilly Circus, walked to Trafalgar Square, where we ate a sandwich near the Lion Monuments. And I saw a woman sobbing into her phone and shed tears with her. Malia found that odd. I was in a sober mood. There is a countrywide ban on cigarette smoking in England. I don't know if you know that. When we arrive at the airport, we have welcome to smoke-free England. And thank you for not smoking regales us as we travel the tubes. Curiously, officials talk to us as we travel over the loudspeakers. In fact, we feel as if we're being watched as a voice tells us not to block the entrances and exits of the escalators, which we find is exactly what the delay has been once we start moving along again. Big Brother is watching us here. But since there is virtually no smoking anywhere indoors, we've noticed a lot of people standing in doorways outside pubs, restaurants and offices to smoke, and of course, while walking along the streets. It seems as if just about everyone smokes, old and young alike. I suppose it's more noticeable here. There are a lot of people out on the streets, but it seems more prevalent than in America. Many years ago, I told Malia, while we were traveling on the tube, I was about her age, I reckon, and a Londoner to boot. Smoking was allowed everywhere, so I often sat next to someone with a cigarette going on the public transport I was taking, and I always arrived home stinking of cigarettes. The thought is alien to her and unimaginable to me now. How did I stand it? Well, last Sunday, we ventured even further afield and went to revisit the street where I grew up and the one where my mother grew up and lived on during the war. Because of the upcoming Olympics in 2012, um, the tubes are being worked on during the weekends. And we were on a train when a public announcement was made, again, that unseen watcher, informing us there was no further travel south of a particular station. It happened to be where we were going. Of course, the unseen announcer had seen my ticket. If we wanted to travel to Balham, gateway to the south made famous by Monty Python, which was where we were going, we had to get off the train and find an alternative route. So we hurriedly hopped off before the doors closed on us and went back up to street level. And I asked an official, and um, I asked him, how am I supposed to go south? And he informed me that there were no replacement buses for the tube routes affected that made it a little more inconvenient. Luckily, we were able to take a mainline train to where we wanted to go and also a bus once we got there. We did a lot of walking too, but we were able to accomplish our mission and I took a literal trip down memory lane. It all looked so much smaller. 
On the bus back to the mainline train, we'd gone two stops and an announcement was made. This happens in buses too. Ladies and gentlemen, the destination of this bus has changed. Malia and I looked at each other. It sounded as though we were being hijacked. The bus still took us to our stop, but it was going to a different place altogether than originally posted on the front window. No one else seemed bothered, so maybe that's a regular occurrence on the public transport. It's very good, by the way, and a whole lot cheaper than hiring a car or taking a taxi. You may have to ask to make sure you're going the right way and get off in the right place and hope that you can understand any announcements that are broadcast across sometimes crackly speakers with Indian accents. I really do pity tourists who don't have a full command of the English language. Actually, some of the announcers don't seem to have full command either. And um, Malia and I have stayed out a few times until about five in the evening. And uh, the first time we did it, I started to get antsy about getting home to my mum. But after the first time, I stopped worrying because when I went into the lounge to tell her I was back, she looked up from her television program and said, oh, have you been out? We went to church at St. George's down the road, a good patriotic name for a place of worship. What do you think? We were welcomed at the door with, oh, how lovely to see some young faces this morning. We will return. Here, the 1628 prayer book is still used. The season is referred to not as Pentecost, but as Sundays after Trinity. The early mass at 8 a.m. was said, that means no hymns, and was celebrated in the ladies' chapel, a beautiful space with numerous stained glass windows. The main sanctuary itself is huge, and um, there are guided tours of the windows, the vessels and vestments, and the graveyard, which is extensive. I hope to have time next week to go on one or at least to go on one of the tours or at least attend an organ recital. The church is very active, it seems, and well attended. Um, The only gripe I would have is that the readings were all read from the bulletin. And when the priest lifted what really amounted to a scrap of paper and said the word of the Lord, I thought a gospel book would have been much more appropriate. Um, I've thrown a lot of things away this week and I find I'm not a pack rat when it comes to my parents' belongings. As my mother-in-law said about her late husband's stuff, what was important to him was not important to her. There are about nine huge dustbins in a special walled-in area where my mother lives. Each one has instructions about what can be thrown away in them and believe me, one abides by these directions. I've run afoul of the recycling authorities in England in the past finding a note on my bin that read items were found in this bin that do not meet the requirements for recycling and it was left unemptied. So I threw glass away in the glass only bin, plastic in the plastics bin and so on. But as the night drew on and I grew weary of traipsing across the grounds to the walled in dustbins with my carefully sorted rubbish, I mixed my mediums and used the larger receptacles, which happily took regular rubbish that was not going to be judged for its recycling merits. The only drawback, These smelled awful when the lids were raised. My brother gave me the go-ahead to get rid of anything I wanted to unless it had had some nostalgic value for me. This proclamation was a green light. The only stipulation he made, there had to be a rule, didn't there, was not to mess with Daddy's tools. He's not had a chance to look through those yet, so I've socked all those away in one of the whole cupboards. Knowing me, they'll probably make the trek to the garage as I come to the end of my cleaning, sorting, clearing mission within the flat. However, there is a slight chance I won't feel compelled to tackle the garage this time around. An active 18-year-old keeps me busy during the daylight hours, and I doubt I'll go over during the night, although there are security lights that are motion-activated all over the grounds. But I know 
that foxes prowl around from my first night here. Some of the things I'm keeping are photos. A lot of them are slides. Remember those? One of these days I'll go through them, perhaps. School reports, some early schoolwork, select letters written from boarding school that my parents decided to keep. Also, the occasional item that brought memories flooding back. For example, a small set of pictures of little Hummel children that always hung on the hallway wall. A bird book I loved for some reason, as it was immediately familiar when I dug it out of its box, but really not very spectacular. And programs from ballets and plays we attended at the Royal Opera House in Covent Garden. Included in one of these collections was a program of my own performance of The Wizard of Oz in Beirut, Lebanon. All of these memories, which my parents deemed precious enough to keep, fit neatly in one cardboard file box. There are two, one with my memorabilia and one with my memorabilia. Back in about the 90s. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Here comes Motherhood Talk Radio, the most powerful voice in women's issues today, with Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Tuesday evenings at 6, 5 Central, part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com. Motherhood Talk Radio provides a powerful platform for women today by giving interesting, inspiring, and inspirational information to mothers around the globe as they navigate everything from child care to corporate formation. Motherhood Talk Radio will have best-selling authors, gurus of happiness, women of interest, who every single day make our world a better place for our families. Motherhood Talk Radio, powered by Motherhood Incorporated, is co-hosted by corporate executive Sandra Beck and stay-at-home mom Christy Holly. For more information on each and the show, go to MotherhoodTalkRadio.com. Mom, this really is your show. Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Christy Holly. Tuesday afternoons at 6, 5 Central, part of the Her Insight Network on Tuggynet.com. What's your story? Are you living it? Well, you could be. It's What's Your Story with Hillary Bilbrey. Friday mornings at 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Tuggynet.com. Her passion is helping others discover, create, and live their personal brands. Yep, you heard me. You have a brand. No different than Coke, Pepsi, or Nike. You are a walking, talking, living, breathing brand. You're not a logo. You're not a tagline. The choices you make become the path you take. This is your brand. Now, live your story. Your brand is not just what you say it is. It's also what others say it is. So what are you communicating? And how can you create an authentic brand? We'll take on these challenges with What's Your Story? Every week, Hillary will feature teens, moms, and organizations that are learning and living their story. Now, her passion is to help others discover, create, and live their personal brands. To find out more, go to inspiredbyfamily.com. It's What's Your Story with Hillary Bilbrey. Friday mornings at 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet, part of the Her Insight Network. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, hello, I'm back, and um, I just, uh, hello, I'm back, that was noisy. Um, I just have a quick comment to add to what I was what I was saying about um, getting rid of other people's stuff that isn't important to you. And um, 
I, I think to myself, how do I protect these keepsakes, mine, from being tossed out unceremoniously by my children? I suppose I need to organize them in some kind of easy-to-read album or maybe get them on iPhone. They never seem to be without their phones. So um, hopefully I have um, my guest on the phone, Laura. Laura, are you there? Okay. We're ringing with Laura. So let me tell you a little yes. bit about her. Laura, hello. Um, Laura, Laura lives here in England with her husband, and they were both homeschooled growing up. And this afternoon, Laura and I are going to talk about her experiences as a homeschooler and how she thinks she was prepared for college life and more. So welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Yeah. Oh, good, good. All right. So um, you said you're in the throes of moving. So you're um, in Oxford, but you're just moving to another part of Oxford, right? That's right. My husband and I have been here for about one year. So we're here long enough to, you know, have our own observations about a new culture, but not fully understand it yet. So we're, we're always in the throes of being afraid that we're going to offend a British person and then enjoying their tea at the same time. So we're just enjoying our time so yeah. much here in England. Yeah. Well, you know, you've got the advantage of having an accent. And um, I, if I offend somebody, I mean, they look at me because I've got my English accent and I go, I'm from America. I haven't been here for 25 years. So sorry. You so. need a T-shirt that says you've been influenced by Texans, don't you? That's right. Something like that. Something like that. Okay. All right. Well, um, let me talk a little bit about um, your homeschooling experience. Where did you home, you know, where, where did you live when your parents homeschooled you? Sure. Well, I actually was born in Texas and my parents, I believe, thought they invented homeschooling because they knew no other homeschoolers when they started in the, I guess, the very uh, early 80s. And um, we were in Texas at the time. And then I grew up in Tennessee. So definitely um, just in the South and enjoying lots, which is a very family oriented culture, you know, so it's very, uh, very fitting for a homeschool environment. Mm -hmm. And we were quite privileged that there were very, by the time I was in middle school, there were a very large percentage of homeschoolers there. And we had a a graduating class of about 477 other homeschoolers who had basketball teams and cheerleading and and just a a very healthy support group there. So Mm -hmm. we were very privileged in that uh, to be joined by a lot of other people. Well, something interesting about English homeschooling, I was talking to um, a principal of Teach, which is um, is a European Christian homeschool um, school. And he said that um, the churches and ministers are against home education, you know, here in England. And so I don't suppose I, I'm going to talk next week to some of the mothers, but, you know, we get a lot of support from our churches in America, Certainly. which they don't get here. And yes. um, you, you said you knew somebody. Did you manage to talk to somebody who homeschools in Oxford? I or? did. It was absolutely shocking to me to um, yeah. speak with a, a fellow friend here who's a homeschooler. And I, like you, had so much support from my home church and, mm-hmm. you know, really saw faith and learning as such a, a, a unique part of the homeschooling experience for me. Mm-hmm. And um, so to discover that there is sometimes criticism from the church um, is huge. But I, I think in speaking with her, she's a very wise woman. And she just, when she speaks about homeschooling, she's not on the defensive. She's not um, afraid of, 
you know, legislation and that kind of thing, but just talks about homeschooling in such a positive way that mm-hmm. I think, you know, that type of influence in cities like Oxford will have a very mm-hmm. positive impact for homeschooling mm-hmm. um, just because there is, I think, a lot of pressure and, and regulation and an and obstacle to overcome, but uh, that, an attitude like hers that just points to the fact that those kids are thriving, that there's something uh, mm-hmm. to investing in your own child's life and, and using those freedoms that there, there's something to Okay, we lost Laura, and um, we're going to try and connect back to her again. In the meantime, um, Laura was talking about um, the support that um, we get in America from our churches and uh, how difficult it is for English people to um, get that support. Laura, are you there again? Yes, I am. Okay, so can you continue with your train of thought? I believe so. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) That's all right. Well, um, so, yeah, I think for homeschoolers. All right. Um, anyway, well, let me, let me talk a little bit about um, my mom's flat, which slowly but surely is being rid of all its clutter of packed cardboard boxes. Her freezer is um, filling up with enticing home-cooked meals for her to enjoy for a few weeks after I leave. And everything's being washed and cleaned as only a daughter can think to do. Um, My mom, she seems to be enjoying our company, although she can't hear a thing. After a couple of days, I discovered her hearing aid um, needed new batteries. That would help, wouldn't it? I went to Boots. and It was refreshing to hear people pronounce the word batteries the way I do. And Laura, are you there? I am. Well, perhaps before I'm cut off, I should just say that um, I do believe just it seems that the the homeschoolers that we know in England, the very best defense for their own homeschooling is for them to continue to be confident and uh, to godly and to raise children who know how to be kids and and, uh, you know, to love to learn. And I think in the long run that that type of, um, you know, example will have an impact on on legislation and sort of the reactions that they get from others. Uh, So that's um, true of this particular family. So um, why did you choose Oxford in England to come and live? Yeah, well, my husband's actually uh, studying at the University of Oxford. He's working Mm -hmm. on a PhD in theology just now. Mm -hmm. And um, Oxford is just a culture of people who are wanting to learn. And we are very attracted to that environment of just Mm -hmm. being able to read and to have conversations with people about lots of different ideas. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that does come from homeschooling, doesn't it? I think you develop Mm -hmm. sort of that uh, knack to keep learning for your your entire life. And that's a man at the the laundromat the other day who was in his uh, 70s, I believe, and he was just doing a PhD for fun on classics in his retirement so that he could Mm -hmm. just keep busy. And I thought, this is fabulous that we can discuss Mm -hmm. these great books as we wash our clothes wash and Uh um, he's just continuing to learn for life. And I'm very inspired by that. uh, And and do you find, does your husband find the education system um, at the university a little bit different to England, Uh, to America? Sorry. (laughs) Yes. You know, it's interesting because the American system for a PhD in his field is typically a seven-year program, Mm -hmm. uh, lots of classroom work, and um, I would say in general, maybe a broader yet shallower education. And Mm -hmm. I think that this particular program, he has the opportunity to just research in depth um, in the areas that he's interested in and uh, to really uh, take time to learn from people who have gone before him and and to read great books. And so um, it's absolutely a perfect fit for I think his home education has really taught him to be an independent researcher so that system I think fits fairly well Mm -hmm. Um, 
Of course, we don't have people running around in black robes everywhere in America to take exams. So we've found that a few quirky things as well. Yeah. And so does he, um, he has the tutoring system, you know, where he goes to his tutor's rooms and small groups discuss and and that kind of stuff, as opposed to huge halls of lectures. Exactly. So he's sitting one-on-one with the supervisor, sometimes over a cup of tea and they're discussing you know, what they'll talk about. And uh, it's just been great to, to really to feel that he is developing a relationship with, with those supervisors rather than sort of being one in a sea of faces. Mm-hmm. And the school I went to is close to Oxford. It's in uh, Buckinghamshire. And um, have you heard of Stowe? Stowe is the boys' school okay. um, in, in Buckinghamshire, S-T-O-W-E. And uh, many a time I went to Banbury, which is very close to Oxford, I think, Banbury. Yes. Yes. And we have that nursery rhyme, Ride a Cock Horse to Banbury Cross. And um, uh, so um, that is really my neck of the woods too. And I loved Oxford, beautiful buildings and, um, you know, the, the, um, just the culture, the whole culture of Oxford is, is just wonderful. It's been fabulous, the outdoor Shakespeare, you know, in the summer. And, and it's, it's been fabulous for us to be able to travel to so many places around Oxford, mm-hmm. um, you know, or just such a short drive. I think that the, the distance was the biggest different cultural difference for me that someone said, oh, that's in Wheatley. It's 10, 10 minutes away. You'll have to plan a long trip for that one. And I thought 10 minutes away, you know, I, know. I walked I know. 10 minutes across the super Walmart just to get a bag of cotton balls, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think uh, definitely the four hour drive across the country you know doesn't seem like a lot for us so we've been taking advantage of traveling quite a bit and don't you love the trains i mean the trains oh, I do. yeah yeah you can just yeah. get anywhere you just get anywhere. especially with a baby just put him right to sleep on the train all right puts me to sleep too um now you've written about eight habits to develop before college okay would you like to talk a little bit about those habits sure you know i um have interacted with lots of homeschooling groups and you always have kind of those moms with this deer in the headlights look saying, my child is about to start high school. I'm terrified. People who've been confident homeschoolers for years suddenly forget everything they've learned when it comes to high school because mm-hmm. they think the ball, game, the ball game changes somehow, that there's a lot of pressure. They're thinking about college and, and wondering, will my student be prepared for this? It's like the ultimate test of mm-hmm. your home education. Um, and I was, I just enjoyed being able to, or I enjoyed encouraging those moms and dads that what they've been doing will continue to be good for their children. And, um, you know, some of those same habits that you develop as homeschoolers in general are actually the things that might impress colleges the most. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, one of those eight habits is just to give your children the opportunity to write uh, as often as possible. Mm -hmm. I think that that is, I was just noticing the College Board did a, a study in 2004 that said that that is absolutely the most desired, um, a trait for a, a future employer for mm-hmm. that, that job, you know, seekers have to have to, uh, to get a good job. And, and I think that's also true in any area of life to be a good communicator is key. Uh, so uh, whether you're writing admissions essays or applications, you know, your students will definitely use those writing skills, um, you know, to get into college as well as just doing a good job in them. So, and that can be fun. I mean, these days, whether your children, if they're setting up a blog or they're writing emails, they have mm-hmm. lots of fun ways to practice writing besides mm-hmm. your kind of typical uh, parent-led reports and, and mm-hmm. that type of thing. So, yeah, definitely write as much as you can. 
And, uh, and with that goes reading. I, I think you have to read to be a good writer and uh, mm-hmm. just to develop an interest in good books. And um, I think independent study is something that homeschoolers do very well. And my parents definitely said, you know, you've got to be motivated to, to learn on your own. We're not always going to be here to guide you. You know, find what you're interested in and take initiative, you know, search out uh, and, and learn about what you want to want to learn about. I remember really being into theater. And so going to the library and studying all these books on Stanislavski and these acting methods, which I've never went to go on. Okay, we're going to go on a break and we'll come back and continue. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Join Learning and Laughter with Louise every Wednesday at 9 Eastern, 8 a.m. Central on Toginet to discuss fun, fascinating, and educational topics. Each week, Louise will be talking with a variety of guests, ranging from authors, educators, parents, filmmakers, athletes, and entrepreneurs, just to name a few. You know, when it comes to learning, the sky is the limit. And so will the topics that are covered here on Learning and Laughter with Louise. Louise Sattler is a school psychologist who has worked within the fields of special education and bilingual education. She also owns a successful company, Signing Families that creates DVDs and special workshops to teach sign language and instructional products for people of all ages and needs. With new DVDs coming out soon, check her website for more information at signingfamilies.com. From time to time, Louise will be joined by her daughter, Natasha Sattler, who will give a college-age perspective to the show. So pour that morning cup of coffee and join us here on Toginet every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central. You never know who will show up for Learning and Laughter with Louise on toginet.com. Let's chat it up with Bloom Talk with Barb Scala on Toginet. Thursday afternoons at 3 Eastern, 2 Central. And find out how women are growing, blossoming, and blooming in their friendships and careers, health, and so much more. It's Bloom Talk with Barb Scala. Check out our website, bloomwithbarb.com. Whether you want to transplant your life or just do a little pruning, Bloom Talk will inspire you to cultivate the lifestyle you want to live. Join lifestyle coach and co-author of Sanity Savers, Barb Scala, each week on Bloom Talk and sprout your dreams. Grow your life. I hear a lot from women. I want meaning in my life. I want a fulfilling life. I want to do something that's exciting. and I can control my life instead of my life controlling me. I can tell the world this is who I am and, and this is what I'm all about. Barb will introduce you to dynamic guests and real women who are redesigning, rebuilding, building and reinventing their own lives and bloomstorm how you can dream create and grow the lifestyle you want to live it's bloom talk with barb scala thursday afternoons at three eastern two central on toginet.com welcome back to the sociable homeschooler with vivian mcninney the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's the Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet, part of the Her Insight Network. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, hello. I'm back, and my guest this afternoon is um, Laura Ellis. And um, we've been discussing she has eight good habits um, to develop. Um, And we did um, writing and reading, which go hand in hand. And um, we also talked a little bit about how um, homeschool parents kind of get really scared when it comes to high school. And in fact, from my experience, I had a couple of homeschooling friends who um, actually put their children into school at high school. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, one of the one of the reasons that I would have homeschooled would be to protect my children from having to go through high school. But anyway, 
Um, so, so we've done two. We've done the writing and the reading. Um, what else do you, uh, are your habits that you've got? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one thing that I think parents sometimes underestimate is how much just the activities and the involvement in your community are not only ways to, you know, they're extracurricular activities, they're ways to meet other students and people from your community, but they actually are a great preparation for college as well. I know even when I applied for the job that I have now, they said, oh, okay, you had, you know, almost the perfect GPA. We don't really care about that. What we want to know is about the volunteer work that you did overseas. Mm -hmm. Or what we want to know is, you know, what did you learn from, you know, visiting nursing home residents and listening to their stories? And I was shocked by that. But I think uh, just having a variety of life experiences um, that really reflect real life. You know, I I don't think that there's really any scenario in real life where you're only within a peer group that have people just within a year of your birthday. I think meeting people from the community who, uh, you know, interview Interviewing someone who has an interesting job in the community or interacting with children and older people is just a fabulous life skill. And I think homeschoolers, because of that flexible schedule, have a great opportunity to take advantage of that. So just get involved. And I know your family does that with the theater. You've been definitely involved in your community as well. So you know what an asset that is. Oh, yes, absolutely. We've always done that. And it kept us together because we were all interested in the same thing. So that was good. Totally. Yep. And then I would just say to take initiative. I think that's one of the, um, the marks that a lot of colleges look for someone who is not just waiting for something to happen. They're looking for future leaders. So if um, you can kind of guide your children to say, hey, you know, if there's not something or maybe a, you have a sport that you want to play or an, an interest that you have and it just doesn't really exist in your community, start something, you know, be mm-hmm. the person to make things happen. And uh, I think that's a wonderful skill uh, to, to develop and also to invest in people. You know, I think it's just really easy to uh, to just focus on, you know, getting those perfect grades and, you know, maybe developing parts of your, your character, but just to love people and to learn how to listen. Um, I believe that those interpersonal skills take a person so far um, in, in just really enjoying life. And, uh, and also just humility. I think that's something we overlook as well. I think sometimes there's that, sort of drive to prove that homeschooling works. And so you do want to brag about those grades and, and all the accomplishments. But I think just uh, remembering that the gifts that we have are from God and, you know, they, they weren't give, they were given to us, not something of our own creation. That's huge. Um, and, uh, you know, I also believe mentorship is huge. That's one of those eight key things is uh, to seek out mentors, to seek out people who have walked before you. And, uh, and I found lots of mentors in uh, my college professors, actually, uh, just professors that had an area of interest for me. I would go and just have conversations with them over coffee. And, and many of them were very open uh, to sharing some of their expertise because they were shocked that someone actually wanted to listen outside of the classroom. Uh, so I would definitely advise students to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, and, and that actually ended up being a huge boon to me then later as I looked for jobs and as I you know, sought advice in the professional world to say, hey, what can you speak to this issue? Uh, we were already having dialogue. Uh, so that was a great boon to me later in life. And, um, and I would just say, you know, I think homeschooling gives students the opportunity to have space to kind of find who they are. I think there's not so much pressure, uh, that daily peer pressure to conform to one ideal. And um, I believe that's huge just to find your identity. And, and part of that for me was finding my identity because I'm a believer was finding my identity um, and relationship with God and just keeping that central um, it can be much too easy to be carried away in college by kind of those fads and trends as they come and go and people that come and go. And that was huge to have that foundation of faith that I knew would stick around. So, 
yeah, those would probably be uh, the top tips anyway. And um, I think if, if parents can just relax and continue to enjoy life through high school, I think it's less about checking those boxes and more about just enjoying and thriving in that environment that you have as a family and take advantage of those years, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, um, thank you, Laura. And if you're interested in anything else that um, Laura might have ideas-wise and her, her thoughts on um, homeschooling, you can check out, um, I think you have a blog spot at www.life's a rough draft. I love that. I love that. Dot blogspot.com. So, and I'll, I'll put that on my um, talking net page too, so that, so that people can pop off and have a look at those, um, those eight habits to develop before college, as well as get to know you, Laura, a little bit more. And, um, and uh, well, I, we still have um, some time left in this segment. So let's, have a look at maybe um, as a homeschooled person looking looking at homeschooling from the other side rather than from the parental view um, looking back on your experience as um, a homeschooling student what did you most value about your experience what were you glad your parents did or wish that they had done Mm. so Yeah, I I think just um, being able to accompany my parents and some of what they did every day was was a huge opportunity for me. My dad is a pastor and I get to go along with him as he, you know, visited nursing homes and to hear stories from older people. And I think just their involvement, uh, you know, making us feel as though we were uh, integral parts of the family and not just like the family pets to be fed and cared for uh, Mm -hmm. was huge. Um, to have discussions with adults. When, when adults came over to our house for dinner, we were involved in those discussions. We weren't just sort of shuddered away in the bedrooms, you know, while the adults had their conversation. And I, that was such a boon to me to, to uh, enjoy interacting with people. Um, and I think that they also were a bit relaxed. You know, I wondered in high school, I thought, are my parents truly strict enough about keeping hours of our homeschooling to exactly, you know, six hours a day, you know, I thought, man, I'm having way too much fun to actually be getting the kind of education that I need. And uh, I ended up being quite pleased with that. So I think Mm -hmm. um, I was very glad that they were as relaxed as they were to kind of give us space uh, just to learn without a lot of pressure of a very strict schedule. I think for my personality that that was a huge boon. Uh, So I would just tell parents, you know, look at your children's learning styles and their personalities and try to work with that as much as possible rather than kind of going against the grain. Um, well, you know, I had that same experience with both of my children. Well, I've got four children, but two of them, two, two thought that I did a wonderful job. Two spoke to me both on beaches during vacations and said, you know what, Mom, I really think I need to feel as though I'm doing school. Could you, <laughs> could you get me a curriculum? So my youngest, I did Calvert with her when she was already in like, well, I didn't really grade them, but she was in seventh grade for Calvert. And she insisted that, you know, even though there was only another year left that I had to get this curriculum. And you know what? After a year, she went, oh, my gosh. And we didn't even do all of it. It was just Mm. way too much. And I said to her, well, you've got a taste of doing school. So did you like that? And she goes, oh, you know. And my other one was a son, was my son. And he said, I really want to feel as though I'm doing school. I don't want to go back to school, but I don't, I really don't feel as though I'm doing school. I'm going, this is, this is ridiculous. I'm obviously doing a great job because you know what? I said to my mother-in-law who was against me homeschooling when I first started to do it. I said to her, I want to instill a love of learning in my children. I do not want mm. to kill that. Then I think the schools are very successful sometimes at doing that. 
because I hated reading a book because I always knew that I had to do a book report. That really killed it for me. And going mm-hmm. on field trips, I was, it, were kill, it was killed because I had to come home, had to come back and do a questionnaire and, you know, make sure that I'd got stuff out of it. So exactly. I, I would never do that. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And you're saying and the same like, kind of thing. And I'm going, yes. Exactly. And if your students, I mean, if they really love to learn, if they love to read, they can learn anything and they're going to learn that way for the rest of their lives. I mean, I don't know many 80-year-olds who are doing book reports, but I know lots that are still reading, you know, and yeah. I, I think that's great. And uh, one of my mentors is actually the owner of the homeschool company that I work for, Sunlight Curriculum, and it is based around great books. And um, she told me once that she was uh, talking to some children who were kind of from a traditional classroom school. And one of the, the, the boys was graduating. He said, you know, I'm never going to have to open a book again. And she said that was the saddest thing she had ever heard, that upon completion of high school, that someone's mm-hmm. goal would be to never open a book. And mm-hmm. she kind of made it her a goal to not ever have one of her children say that, you know, to help them develop that level of learning that just doesn't go out. Um, so I, I think that's a brilliant concept. Yeah. Well, you know what we would, um, I, I've been talking, I, I belong to a reading group and of course, because we belong to a reading group, obviously all of us are avid readers and always have been, but none of our children are as strong readers as we are. And we just wonder why, because the examples there, the TV doesn't go on at home you know, but they've just, for some reason, they have never, you know, sort of got that love. Have you got any, any, you know, sort of advice on that? I mean, I know I didn't kill their love of reading because I wasn't, (laughs) I didn't say to them, you have to read for three hours today, otherwise you don't get to do anything else. I never did that. So, I mean, how many of you are in your family? Let's see, there are four children in my family and, um, and, and all of us love to read, but it's interesting. My, my youngest brother, you know, maybe didn't have quite the same reading patterns that I did. You know, we were all very different. Um, but I know one thing that my, we did a lot was to read aloud. And um, yeah, I, I believe that. that's quite an advantage in a lot of ways in the sense that parents who are dealing with maybe a child who has some learning disabilities that maybe reading to themselves is, is a slower process. Mm-hmm. I think it gives those children that... Um, gives you that exposure to a different vocabulary and kind of a more interesting plot than maybe the the books that are on the level that you'd be able to read. So exposing kids to maybe a more interesting or challenging book than they'd be able to read on their own. I think that's great. And give them those Legos and the toy cars to play with while they're listening, you know, keep those little hands busy so that they're at least exposed to those stories. And, and I think that's part of developing that love. And, you know, as you said, to understand that sometimes your children will just be different than you are uh, is always a good concept to remember. But um, also just lots of trips to the library. You know, I have quite different tastes in books than my very scientifically minded older brother. Um, I'm the emotion and he's all logic. And so our trips to the library, we come back with just hilariously different stacks of books. And, uh, you know, giving kids the opportunity to choose what they're reading uh, sometimes is a great way of helping them take ownership of that. Um, Mm -hmm. And even if it means they're reading comic books for a while, let them read that. Well, just as long as they're reading. I know my son called me from the train the other day. He's 25. And he said, mom, you'll be so proud of me. I'm reading a book. And I said, well, (laughs) he said, it's on my iPhone. I managed to download a book on my iPhone. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, that tiny little screen. Does that count? Anyway, we're going going on a short break for another 90 seconds. If you can hang on five minutes, Laura,
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. No more mommy madness. The Sanity Hour is the antidote. It's the Sanity Hour with Ann Dunnewald. Monday evenings at 6, 7 central. Part of the Her Insight Network on Toginet.com. Join Ann as she guides parents through issues that arise from simply living in our current high-energy, high-pressure culture of perfection and achievement. Moms and dads are bombarded daily. Sign up for this, buy that, enrich your child's life, enhance your child's development. Worry about this danger, provide this experience. Ann Dunnewald, Ph.D., is here to help. She's a licensed psychologist in independent practice in Dallas, specializing in women's mental health issues. And her mission here is to help women sort out the guilt and anxiety of the unrealistic demand of motherhood on a daily basis. For more information on her and her books, go to andunnewald.com. That's A-N-N-D-U-N-N-E-W-O-L-D.com. Arming women against the pressures of modern motherhood. Here to give moms balance and expectations. Cutting themselves some slack. It's the Sanity Hour with Ann Dunnewald. Monday evenings at 6, 7 Central. Part of the Her Insight Network on toginet.com. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on Toginet with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com. Tom was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet, part of the Her Insight Network. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. All right, I'm back with Laura, and I know that everybody is going to want to hear so much more of what you have to say. So you're going to have to be a guest later on in the year again, even if I'm in America. We can do it by Skype. And so if you can give me five more minutes of your time, I would like you to talk a little bit about um, what um, advice you would give to homeschooling parents who are looking towards... um, sending their children to college or maybe not college, maybe just, you know, sort of worried about sending them out um, for jobs. And um, so, you know, what kind of, what advice would you give them as they prepare um, to do this sure. with their children? You know, I, it's interesting. Uh, I think my answer to that question would have been completely different if you'd asked me that as a junior in college versus now, because uh, I was shocked at the end of four years of absolutely a thrilling college experience that, suddenly you're done, you know, four years and it's time to get a job. And that was just Mm -hmm. shocking to me because I was just enjoying college so much. And uh, suddenly you're booted out with a diploma and it's, you know, it's time to get a job and and to face the real world. And uh, I ended up finding a job with a company that was such an amazing fit uh, and culture. And I think now I would say to parents, begin with the end in mind uh, as your students 
you know, are starting to college, it's not that you have to know what you're going to do with the rest of your life, but definitely be thinking about, you know, what kind of fulfilling work do you want to have at the, uh, at the end of this, if that's your goal. Um, and, and to start to develop skills and opportunities that will help you to get there, uh, rather than just kind of building sort of a, a general type of preparation, you know, I mean, it really does not matter whether I had an absolute 4.0 GPA in science at this point, you know, in my field and just to kind of relax where you can relax and really put your focus where you would like to, to focus on later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say that scholarships were huge to me. I mean, I don't know about you, but we don't come from a family that, uh, you know, is just completely uh, rolling in dough. And so I definitely wanted to find some college scholarships. And uh, we got some advice early on about just applying for uh, every scholarship under the sun. And we did that. And I was able to just get a full ride to the college of of my choice. And I would say start applying early. Uh, Even if you don't, um, you know, aren't sending in applications when you're a freshman, that's the time to to begin to build a list of uh, your activities and involvement. Uh, to you know, keep good records of what you've you've done. Kind of get that resume going because every college scholarship application asks for that. And uh, you know, to start to ask around, you know, about the scholarship opportunities and build your list, uh, get those websites down, so that when you're a junior and it's time to apply, that you've already done your research and you're ready to go. Um, and that can save. When I think about thousands of dollars that we saved just for that. I mean, it is a focused amount of time, but it's certainly worth it um, in saving all that college money. And uh, I would say also just to spend time um, thinking about, you know, really feel emotionally prepared for college in the sense that you know who you are and and you're prepared to stand on your own. I think that's a huge part of that preparation. You know, you don't want to just do all of the academic preparation and get your scholarships going and then and and realize that you don't really know who you are as you're going into school. Uh, I think that would be a, a great a great tip as well. Okay, so I'm a parent and I've got these children that eventually I would like to see them go to college if that's where they want to go. So um I mean, do I need to be worried that they've not taken, you know, the task tests and tax and all of these new things that are going on? Mm. You know, I mean, I know everybody has a different route. Uh, For me, I found it very helpful to take the ACT and the SAT and those standardized tests. Um, most colleges, you know, in the in the United States are looking for those scores. And uh, especially as a homeschooled student, um, you know, there can be quite a variety of ways that parents develop transcripts. And I think probably there is less important how you do it, uh, but just important that you do make some kind of a transcript, whether that's accredited or not, to just demonstrate this is what my student has learned over these four years of high school. Uh, and I think colleges are a bit more flexible than people expect them to be when it comes to admissions. I, I found that most welcome homeschoolers and actually seek them out uh, because they they believe that they are people who can think on their own two feet. And uh, and so I, I think just any way that you can demonstrate what you've learned and that you are prepared for colleges is huge. And I would take that ACT and SAT, uh, you know, early and get those scores out and um, put together your records. Yeah, be ready for that. And so what about, um, what are your views on going to um, a Christian college versus um, a secular or a state school? Yeah, you know, I chose a Christian college um, and partially because, you know, I wanted to, um, I guess it's all of what you want to get out of college. For me, I want it to be uh, a time that I could really focus on um my character. I wanted to say, I didn't really know what I wanted to be after college. And I said, well, 
if I don't know, then I need to focus on what kind of person I want to be, not what I'm going to be when I finish. And that goal ended up seeing me through quite well because I was surrounded by mentors that could help me be that kind of person that I wanted to be and to say, how can I develop my character during these four years? Uh, That was an excellent fit for me. Uh, I do have tons of friends who've had excellent experiences at secular universities. And, uh, you know, if you are coming from a Christian background, I think there are lots of amazing ministries to be involved in uh, in a secular campus. And that can be a great challenge. Uh, if you believe your student is is very well grounded in, in, a, in a godly worldview, uh, has good critical thinking skills, is ready to exchange ideas with other people, you know, I think that they can definitely thrive in that environment. Um, mm-hmm. But I found that my time in college was actually a continued preparation in doing that. I was able to engage lots of different ideas, uh, but definitely uh, those ideas were kind of filtered through that Christian worldview, which was very helpful to me, you know, in a college philosophy class when I am engaging with lots of non-Christian thinkers to have someone sort of guiding that discussion Mm -hmm. who can understand my Christian worldview. I think that was very helpful. So I guess I always vote for that Christian college, but I I definitely have seen uh, wonderful success with both. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I think explore that with that student, see, see Mm -hmm. where their heart lies. Well, Laura, we've come to the end of our time. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for taking time out from moving. I don't know whether it was a welcome break or not, but it was definitely wonderful for us. Um, And um, definitely we will, um, I would love to have you back on my show later on. So I will be contacting you. And um, thank you so much for your time. I've been talking with Laura Ellis, who challenges young people to live passionately and with purpose. She and her husband were both homeschooled and live in Oxford, England at the moment with their one-year-old son. So once again, thank you for joining me and have a wonderful weekend, Laura. Thank you, Vivian. Bye. Bye. All right. For the last part of this segment, I just have to talk about the journey that my daughter and I took to Germany on Monday. I love to travel. My handsome husband complains about it, though, saying it's more tedious each time he goes anywhere. I don't understand this as I find the actual traveling to be quite convenient. However, my short trip to Germany shone a light on my husband's complaint. It's all the waiting one has to do in airport lounges, or in the case of British Airways, not so lounge lounges. Having to arrive three hours before a flight and then breeze through with no queues makes for a lot of time to pass before the departure of one's flight. The buses and the trains run like clockwork, so we can time those to the last minute. Take a book is all I can say. At first, when we arrived in Germany, it was daunting because the languages spoken around us were not primarily English. And none of the signs were in English, of course, and I hadn't taken a phrase book. It's only gone for two days, I thought. And most of the people I imagined could speak English, which, of course, they could if they wanted to. And um, um, I met a very helpful lady at the um, Tourist Information Centre. And um, she gave us invaluable information about traveling and eating, which made us feel more comfortable since we were really centrally located and could quite easily talk to most places. That seems to be a common thread through this visit, walking. We walked to the center of Munich and saw amazing structures, which we decided to return to during the following day as evening was drawing on and all the shops were closing. And we found the restaurant that was recommended to us by the information lady, She had said it was noisy. She probably meant busy rather than noisy because it wasn't loud. We were seated, though, with six other people. A really strange experience, to say the least. 
What if you came here to propose to your girlfriend was the immediate thought that crossed my romantic daughter's mind. I suggested that it would make for an even more romantic proposal, proposing in front of strangers. Anyway, as luck would have it, I don't know, the other strangers were strangers to each other too. Um, There was a couple and a group of four, but none of them even spoke a little English. Trust me, I asked, expecting at least to be able to introduce ourselves. They all spoke Italian, so they were able to comment among themselves about us, probably. We were limited to smiles, laughs, and other facial expressions. But that let me off the hook, though, because I could sit there and not feel compelled to converse without feeling antisocial or considered rude. They did take a picture of us, though. We managed to convey that request with our trusty prop, the camera. No, they didn't take a picture of us with their camera. They took a picture of us for us with our camera. We decided to order several dishes of food to get a taste of Bavarian cooking. We started with Wiener schnitzel and had bread dumplings in gravy, red cabbage, white cabbage, fried cheese, and a hot potato salad. This caused many comments from our fellow diners who who had beers and pretzels, salads, and what looked like a shank of pork with vegetables. When it was time to pay, our waiter sorry, merely wrote down the price of everything we had had added up in his head, and hey presto, our bill on a scrap of paper. It was very expensive, but it was well worth it. Um, the next stop was for the ice cream shop. Malia had to have her green fix of pistachio ice cream. I must say those cold confections were really creamy. Mm-hmm. And our eating experience the next evening was a little more subdued, an Italian restaurant in a back street with a table for two, no sharing, no proposals either. Again, the bill was manually prepared, and I decided that this was more personal. My crazy 18-year-old was almost rendered speechless by the 24 hours we spent in Munich, which is München in German, an important piece of information I wish I'd had when we were driving from the airport to Munich, yet following signs to München. I asked the driver where we were going, having visions of being whisked away, never to be heard of again, but he assured me we were heading for Munich and turned up his radio playing very modern American pop music to calm me down. Um, and actually it looks as though I have come to the end. This has been a very, very quick hour. So I will have to continue with our German visit next week. So on, um, that I will say goodbye. And thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, Stacey Cannonberg and her insight network, the staff at Togginet radio, my guest, Laura Ellis and all my listeners, especially hubby and the St. John's join me next week in London again, where my guests will be mothers who are successfully homeschooled in England and how they prepare for university and whether or not they try to emulate traditional schools in their homeschools. And I'm going off to have fish and chips, which my daughter has brought home. So have a great week. May the Lord bless you and protect you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. If not, and if you Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet.